with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. to have my good friend Cynthia Garrett in studio. You guys have heard her story. How many months ago was that? I, I was on, was it like six, seven months ago? And that story, your testimony was gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty insane. That My testimony is the subject of my first book, Prodigal Daughter. Okay. And that was about identity. Because my, my testimony is all about, in my mind, having lost my identity because of the things that happened that started breaking my soul, you know, as a child. But that is that is so common with with this identity crisis in, in the world because you know you go after the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, these shiny objects, and Satan is a fish, fisherman as well, and he mm-hmm. he puts you in these situations, and next you know you you lose yourself, and that's so common people actually need to read that book where, where can they get that oh prodigal daughter a journey home to identity is on amazon mm-hmm. they can get it on amazon and um you know i think we talked about last time kind of the crux of that book is a story mm-hmm. it's how i got saved i got saved in a prison cell in italy how did i end up in a prison cell in italy because i ran off in my early 20s and married a really bad guy who i thought was a really good guy he was a shiny thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean yep. i didn't really oh, yeah. know him yep. and i and i the, he was a model. He oh, yeah, Sh- he was, shiny model. Yeah, he was a shiny model boy kind <laughs> yeah. of looking guy, and yeah. yeah, and I was honestly Ryan. I was looking for love in all the wrong places because yeah. I was in so much pain because of a lot of issues I hadn't confronted. Like I had really low self esteem and and really no confidence, even mm-hmm. though on the outside I always came across as a very confident person, mm-hmm. and but. Inside, I was kind of dying because I, I had been sexually abused as a, a child mm-hmm. repeatedly over mm-hmm. the course of a few years. And then, you know, got into my teen years and, and you know, my first experiences w- with sex, you know, were when I was raped. <laughs> right. yeah. And then, you know, and so then... So that distorts a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, my... It's funny. I often say to people when they'll say, what's the worst thing about having been abused or I said well you know childhood sexual abuse is only worse when it happens in the home at the hands of a relative because when you're in your home that's the place where it's intimacy right you're supposed to be safe in your home as a child so my intimacy buttons really got broken at an early age because when that happens to you all of a sudden now the people the person or the people and this was an older half uh brother but that person who's supposed to be close to me, who's supposed to protect me and save me, has now hurt me. And so I grew up with a lot of confusion about mm-hmm. my value and a lot of confusion about whether God loved me. I believed in God mm-hmm. because I know for a fact that it was Jesus you know, holding me in my room at night as a little girl and explaining to me that this was spiritual warfare. Because I would, God, why is this happening to me? Yeah. And what I always got was, well... You know, spiritual warfare. And in my child mind, I took that as the bad spirits want to break my nice, good spirit. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. very childish. That's, you know? that's heavy, though. Um, you know, it's interesting because we're right now we're in the, the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably seen some doctors uh, releasing some information saying that, like, um, you know, the, dr- the drug abuse is going up. Um, the suicide, the depression, um, spousal but, abuse, but spousal abuse, and and the uh, molesting, yeah, molesting in homes, yeah, because people are confined, yeah. and then when you start kind of adding all this stuff up, right? Um, I mean, I've heard stories of 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 
you know, dads or stepfathers or, you know, aunts and uncles or whoever getting drunk and then start molesting uh, people in the home in this area. Right. So that's actually happening right now. And there's probably listeners listening right now that are uh, going through this or this stuff is happening in their home because they're saying it's rising. It's at an all time high. It's it's being exposed. Yeah. I don't even, you know, because look, let's let's think about it, right? You lock people in a situation together well you're everything's magnified now the good problems and the bad you know the the bad stuff and the good stuff and so i I just think it's sort of like this is a very unique lens into the window of the soul of the family unit of the home life for a lot of children and a lot of people their reality is very very uh, it's di- it's it's difficult, and you can hide it when you're mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. kind of normal life. You're yeah. going out every day. You oh, yeah. can escape. You can kind yep. of get away. But man, this is turning the volume up on everything. And I, you know, and I wonder too if God isn't in that also. Do you know, mate? Like you know? like he's awakening. Yeah, he's like awake. I, I feel like he's like just awakening um, the the church and even the the mainstream to what's really what's really going on overall in the world. Oh, yeah. With all the events and everything. It, it, totally. I mean, we have a major sin problem in the world, right? Like, yeah. we know that. Yeah. But it's interesting to me to hear these, you know, uh, I was listening to it on the news last night. You know, the incidences of child, uh, of uh, spousal abuse are going up. And, and I'm like, or are we just now paying attention? <laughs> you know, because we're moving so fast that we don't pay attention Everyone's to each been other. Everyone's too busy. Right. Too busy. Right. And so, you know, I, I, my, my heart always goes out to children, yeah. you know, who are victims of abuse, of any kind of abuse, whether it's sexual or physical or mental, whatever it is, because kids, they just don't understand. And I, and, and the confusion that gets caused in a kid mm-hmm. when things like this happen, you carry into adulthood. Right. And I know I became a young adult in a lot of confusion, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it was only Jesus, you know, that, that began to make sense out of the confusion by getting me to actually deal with the Pandora's box that was opened when I said, God, I want to deal with my brokenness. I want to deal with my the sin and the way I respond to relationships. And, you know, I got to be in my 20s and I knew it wasn't normal to, I could check out of a relationship easily if it wasn't going my way. So with, with that, all that said, um, what I was going to say, with all that said, when you're growing up with all these issues, as you just said, that you take it into your adulthood, mm-hmm. that affects relationships with with men, mm-hmm. with uh, in your relationships with men, like as in dating and even yeah. to to marriages. Oh, yeah. This stuff, because what happens is you get exposed to stuff at a very young age. These are these hangups and these things that you will carry. It will it will carry depression. It will carry anxiety. Uh, um, you know, post traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. uh, unforgiveness. Yep. bitterness and these are all the things what happens is you carry this stuff through every relationship and all these ha- people are calling like hang-ups right but oh. what it is it's all this stuff that it's brokenness it's brokenness yeah and the only one that could actually change that in your life because how can you change when you have all that stuff happening to you in the natural realm it's impossible yeah it's impossible it's impossible it's only it's isaiah 61 i jesus what what's jesus's ministry i came he, he goes through all of this stuff mm-hmm. this is the crux of that all that mess I came to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. Boom. And what Jesus is talking about yeah. there, I mean, that hit me like a ton of bricks at a certain point in my life when I really started looking at being healed on the inside. Right. It was like Jesus didn't give this mandate to anybody else. Mm. Only he 
could heal my broken heart. My heart was broken. What happens yeah. when all that stuff happens to you as a kid or a grown up? I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a, you know, I was divorced from my very first physically abusive all marriage. All that stuff. All that yeah. stuff, yeah. man. Yeah. Jesus can bind up your broken heart. Mm. And the set the captives free part's really deep to me because what I realized was that all that stuff mm. had me in emotional captivity. And it was those emotions of fear, anger, sadness, you know, uh, bitterness. Those emotions were keeping me, they were keeping me locked into victimization. So <laughs> when your spirit is bad, when it's getting destroyed or it's being affected, it, folks, it, affects, it affects your spiritual yes. and your physical. Yes. That's, yes. It, it comes out and that's what happened. Well, well, okay. So now you keyed into something interesting. So- my new book is called I Choose Victory, right? Mm-hmm. I got, yes. I realized at a certain point, okay, okay, I, I understand how my identity was attacked from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these things happen in your life. The enemy does jump on to those broken emotions, and all of a sudden now there are strongholds because now you're being, yeah, yep. now you're being driven by your anger. You're being driven by your fear of love. So what do you do? Well, you're going to break other people's hearts before they break your hearts. Right. That's what it looks like I for know a lot of girls, feeling. right? Yep. Yeah, and guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I realized, well, I want victory over these emotions because mm-hmm. I can't, Jesus, you know, we're supposed to live our lives. By reasoning in the word of God, we use godly wisdom and, and knowledge to make our decisions. Right. That's what God wants for us as believers. And when we hold on to his wisdom, then we can find ourselves living a wiser life. Well, when you're driven by these broken emotional parts, that's not wisdom or godly logic driving you. It's it's sin and then how you respond to that sin. So then eventually what was done to you becomes sin in your life because now you're living, responding to what was done mm-hmm, to you. Mm-hmm. So how did I respond to being angry because I was hurt by a man in my young life? Well, I mean, I ran through guys like crazy. I looked for love in Dude, guys. Hey, you literally, <laughs> I, I, you literally just read my mind. Like, Because I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, okay, I got hurt by a, a girl I was going to marry. She, you know, got her pregnant. She boarded the kid. Then she ended up cheating on me with this yeah. guy I hated. And I just, we, we, we called it yep. off and I was totally brokenhearted, angry, bitter, mad. So what did I do? I ran through girls. Exactly. And that was me responding to the brokenness inside. Exactly. This is so relatable for people. It, it, no, it, it, I, I'm glad <laughs> because listen, that's why so by the time I get to the book I choose victory, which yeah. is my which is what right why we, we were like let's get together and yeah, talk about absolutely. talk about victory. Well, it's because I realized there are war zones that we have to fight in and they're all connected. Mm-hmm. So I broke the book up into four war zones because the Lord said to me, okay, you've been faithful, daughter. You're using your testimony to be transparent and to let people know. Like I want people to know I don't sit here and like teach these lessons because I'm perfect. I teach them because I'm completely imperfect and have lived through every bit of mess that yeah. I'm teaching yeah. through my own abuse and, you know, rape and divorce and all of it, you know, yep. bad re- and sin, yeah. you know, because I had my own sin problem to deal with yeah. my pain. Mm-hmm. So I broke this current book up into four sections. The first is the personal war zone. Yeah. The personal war zone, it's our story. Man, it's the stuff. It's the the guy, who, the girl who hurt you, and how you, and, and and now all those feelings you have because of that. It's the parents who maybe just use words, 
You know, a lot of people run around with this victim's narrative in their mind. You're too fat. You're not skinny enough. You're too white. You're not black. You're, oh, you're black. Oh, they're racist. Oh, they're not racist. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're sexist. Oh, they're not. And it's like insane, right? So you have all these victims' narratives and voices. Well, in your war zone, you've got to be willing to go to war against your own personal experiences. You got to look at it. You got to unpack it. You have to confront it. And you have to do it by allowing God in. But also forgiveness is huge in that war zone. Forgiveness is huge in all the war so zones. So first of all, you have, to, you, you have to ask yourself, what is going on in my life? You have to confess and you have to get real and actually look at, yes. be truthful, basically. Exactly. exactly. You know you what? You have to be truthful with yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. Do you know how many people just don't get that? Like I'm shocked at how many believers I meet and I'll watch them and I'm like, you're not being real with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I, care if you put a fake on for me, but you don't think you're faking God out, right? Yeah. Like, so for me, being real with me is about me and God. I could care less about anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit At here. At least be truthful with God. <laughs> right? Yeah, I got it. Like, I have to, because right. I know he sees. Yeah. Like, I know he sees. Yeah. So your personal war zone is critical. That's the foundation of everything. You got to deal with you, man. And then the second war zone is the spiritual war zone. Mm -hmm. Okay, why? That's where you have to go to war against unbelief and where you go to war against sin. Sin that was done to you in your personal war zone, but sin in the form of bad behavior, mistake, failures, things that you've also created because of your personal war zone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I said, so, right, you said it, like the girl broke your heart, so you run through girls. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I was angry. You know, I, I, I had problems... Really, intimacy isn't a physical thing. Intimacy is a deeply mental thing. Mm-hmm. I had very, I, I could not be deeply mentally trusting with most people mm-hmm. because of being dropped and abandoned and yeah, broken, yeah. you know, by yep. so many people. And, and also, um, with people that have been in these situations that have uh, been abused or whatever, that also leads to the drugs and the alcohol. Oh, totally. And, and totally. pills and all that stuff. Or they act out on pornography. It's, it all leads back to sin. More sin, more right. sin. Right. So the spiritual war zone is like, that's the big area where you see, mm. wow, everything about what happened to me in my personal war zone is pretty much about everything that's happening to me in my spiritual war zone. Right. So you got to go to war there. Then, you know, then the last two parts of the book, I spend, I spend a part of it talking about the political war zone. Mm. Well, look, it's no wonder that our nation looks the way it looks. Mm. We are in a political war zone, and it is horrible because most people in this country do not want to deal with any kind of battle to be a better human being in their personal war zone. They really don't want to deal with the spiritual war zone. We'd rather just get God out of the equation altogether. Yep. Yep. So now you got a bunch of broken people who may or may not believe over here in the political war zone, and your mission is go, break, make a loving nation. Ha, that ain't going to happen. So then, and then there's a victory zone. And so once you've made the choice and you're effectively waging this war in these other three war zones, how do I walk in victory now? How do I, what does victory look like? What does it feel like? Because for a lot of us, I remember when I really made the choice for victory in my life, and my choice was rooted in Jesus Christ. And that is the ultimate choice that you can make for victory, right? Mm -hmm. He's our sword. The word of God is our sword. How do you go to battle in any war zone without the sword of our spirit? So if someone right now is in the situation, what we've been talking about, they've been abused, or maybe they're just, you know, the sin has just overtaken their life. Mm. What would you suggest them to do? 
Man, what, like well, just, I would what, have what, them. What's point one? What would they do right now? Because we're going to talk about the victory uh, coming out of it. But totally. Right now, how do they get to the place going, okay, Cynthia, I want to be truthful with God. Mm-hmm. I want to just get real right now. Yeah. What do I do? I'd probably start at forgiveness. I'd have, I'd have them, you know, and if that's you and you're listening, I'd have you really stop and get quiet and ask the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to reveal to you who you need to forgive. And it may not make any sense to you. Names may come to you and you don't understand it, but this is not about you. Now you got to have faith. Listen to what comes to you. And you got to do it out loud because the enemy confess. cannot, you got to confess it. The enemy can't read our thoughts. When we confess these spiritual principles out loud, it's powerful. And you might be thinking, yeah, but the person that you know, did me wrong at work or the person that hurt me when I was a child or my mean father or my mean mother or the dad that abandoned me, like they don't deserve my forgiveness. So I'd, I really would have to explain that forgiveness is not a Disney movie. It yeah. doesn't mean that the person who hurt you deserves to be forgiven. Right. They probably don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Life probably doesn't deserve – if you're angry at life – because some people are born poor, man, and they're angry at life. Why am I the victim of poverty? Okay, I get it. But you got to – you know, the forgiveness is understanding that life or a person may have really done you a disservice. Mm-hmm. But, but Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of our sins. Yep. His whole gig is about forgiveness. That's it. So when we stand in the power of what Jesus stood in, we raise from the dead. And for many people that are struggling with feeling like a victim and feeling like they've been abused and are the victim of these circumstances, they feel like the walking dead. Right. I know what that feels like. <laughs> I, I love that. I use that illustration a lot. <laughs> yeah. They, you feel. That's how I felt. is like the walking dead. And what and she was talking about being raised from the dead. She's talking about that new spirit-led life. Yeah. That's where we say, you know what, God? Forgive me of all my sins. I'm a sinner. Confess. It's the gig. Like Jesus, that's Jesus' gig, like you said. But what happens is when you do that, that's when God fills you with the Holy Spirit and you start that new spirit-led life. So we know that darkness and light cannot coexist just like faith and unbelief cannot coexist. So what happens is you believe by faith, you let him forgive you, and you will see literally a supernatural change in your life in the natural realm. So you're still Cynthia Garrett, but now your thought process has changed. So your heart has changed. Exactly. And when you ask for forgiveness, that heaviness that a lot of you guys are carrying right now from all this baggage, these strongholds that Cynthia was talking about. And I think in Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about don't let anger even get a foothold. These strongholds, these footholds, you don't even know you have them right. until you confess and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them, like she said, and you start asking God to forgive you all these things. Next thing you know, you're going to literally feel lightness. Oh, yeah. That stuff's going to lift off you. It's this heaviness. Yeah. It's this oppression. Yeah. It's it's the supernatural realm. It's, it's, the, it's, it's Satan. And Ephesians 6 talks about principalities of darkness. You don't even and realize you're being oppressed completely. I'm not talking about having a demon inside you. I'm talking about being oppressed. You pray. I prayed for people, and all of a sudden they just go, "Man, I feel so light right now." Yeah, because the heaviness of feeling like you're in prison in your spirit. Yes, it's horrible. You're literally emotionally captive, and that's the. For me, it was under. It was feeling those chains, man, of emotional captivity to these emotions and this darkness that was driving the decisions in my life. That is worth going to war against. And and I got to tell you, like, when you're a parent, if you don't go to war against this stuff and choose your spiritual victory, your kids, you are opening doors for your kids to walk in some really dangerous places. Okay, unpack that. Okay, so 
for me life application life application is this so i realized my son at around 15 years old was really acting out like i mean we were and and you know I would scream at him, fight with him, curse at him, yell at him. Like we would have these full out, you know, wage wars. And this is when, you know, my husband, Roger, right? And, you know, Roger's a very, you know, calm, word-based Calvary guy, right? Roger, yeah. Roger would watch this. I'm sure he was thinking, really, God? This is the woman you brought me. Okay. All right, You're cool. Like, I'm rougher on the edges. I'm yeah, trying to work it out. Right, right, right. I was, I was working my salvation out, man. Like, you don't even understand. And so my son and I, I have this young Well, wait, wait, here, just, just for the record. So you were married before. You had Christian with your other uh, husband at the time. Yes. And then later on, God brought you Roger. Yes. So this is a whole new blending of families. Yes. It's a whole new work. It's, it's a whole new thing. And yeah. yeah. And this is years ago. So he's watching yeah. my son and I put our fists through the walls and rage. And then 20 minutes later, you know, we're back in love again. Yeah. It was very volatile. Yeah. And he looked at me one day and he said, okay, honey, you realize this isn't normal. And, <laughs> and I was like, we're artists. Of course it's normal. We're just passionate. Yeah. That's how we act. And he goes, no, he, do you think this is normal? And I said, actually, what I really think is that I'm a really good person, but I don't understand why I ha- I feel like emotionally I'm kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why some days I wake up in a bad mood. That's yeah. I mean, I would wake, you know, some yeah. days you wake up in a bad yeah. mood. Yeah. Like this stuff is not normal. Yeah. We're not created to wake up in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Like that's, this is all a product of the brokenness that we experience because of this world we live in. Right. So when when you're a parent, You've got such spiritual authority over your children Mm -hmm. that your prayers of forgiveness and your prayers breaking things off of your home and your own life Mm -hmm. automatically impact your child. Mm -hmm. So when I started really... Because if you don't pray, you're not doing these things, you're allowing the enemy... To come in because that's how we wage war mm-hmm. is through prayer. Right. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Right. Right. I had a ton of strongholds in my life. Yes. Now, look, you know, in my 20s, I uh, it was cool. We all smoked pot. You know, like it wasn't cool. Yeah. But pot, the drugs, all yeah. of it, you know, the like the, the guys, sexually promiscuous because I just thought that that was okay. That's like, pretty normal these days too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I was raised. Legal in, too, by Right. The way. I was yeah. raised that way. Yeah. And, you know, I was telling someone this morning, my girlfriend is a woman, one of my old girlfriends, her name's Candace Bushnell. Mm-hmm. Candace Bushnell wrote Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of um, a bunch of gay friends of ours mm-hmm. went to HBO and turned it into the biggest television series, you know, like ever yeah. at HBO, right? Yeah. Yep. I was conditioned that that was the way that you date yeah. on Sex and the City. Yeah. My mother said to me this morning, I can't even watch that show anymore. She said, I realized... All they do is have sex. Who lives like that? I said, Mom, your daughter lived like that in uh-huh, her 20s and uh-huh. 30s. I got news for you. Yep. And she said, I don't even understand. I said, it was normal, Mom. It was fabulous. It was glamorous because the world sold it to us in a pretty package. Exactly. And that's how that sin is. Object, yeah. Right. And so – Well, wait, I want to I add, add something because cool. even like right now, um, even with like social media and everything – like back in the older days, you know, you're a little bit older than me, but we're, we're you know, back in the older days, we didn't have social media and all that stuff, right? At all. So right. we actually had to kind of go out and, because obviously, you know, your brother is Lenny Kravitz mm-hmm. and you've been, grew up in the music industry and you've been in the celebrity world. So you went out and you've seen uh, sin, yeah. like stuff happening in Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. So you've seen it and you were able to adapt to it and get into it where... Mm-hmm. 
back when I was growing up, we had to kind of like look for sin. I wasn't around all that stuff, you know, at a very, very young age. But nowadays with social media, you know, I used to have to find out, okay, well, how do you smoke weed? Okay, you have to roll in a joint. Oh, there's a thing called a bong? Right. Oh, it's like I had to get exposed to older people to these different ways of sinning, we'll say, right. or pornography or sex. I had to learn. But now, what's yeah. so interesting now is on social media. It's in your face. You can learn how to sin in all aspects very easy with the type of the button. What is this? What is that? How do you do it? You're seeing celebrities. You're seeing just normal people smoking weed, guys popping pills, showing what Xanax looks like. So right. now it's, it's we live in a culture where we're learning how to sin so easily. And like even let's just go down to just like a girl because I have daughters, right? I have right. a son now, but he's, he's a little baby. But with daughters – you know, they wouldn't just grow up and, and think, oh, let's just pose naked, half naked, and right. post it to the world. Like, to pose naked back in the old days, you would actually have to get a deal to go to Penthouse or Playboy right. to do that for people to see. Now, you could be on Instagram, any age, point a half naked photo and post it on, post it on Instagram, and then yeah. it gets reposted. We are living in a crazy time. Crazy. You know what I always say? Yeah. The, if you look, social media yeah. is a DIY video for how to sin. Period. And that's exactly to my <laughs> point. You're they're teaching you how to sin at greater ways than ever before. There's no limits. And guess what? You have a platform. And it looks good. So we're falling for it. Because that was my thing. I think about like in my 20s. So this was like the ooh, big ooh, ooh, ooh for me, right? right. In my early 20s, I had a girlfriend. She, um, she's an actress. She's still an actress. She was a, a pretty big back in, in that day. Mm-hmm. And she was in New York filming a Spike Lee movie and hanging out with Naomi Campbell. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night at dinner, the two of them were smoking cigarettes. And I thought... Oh my gosh, they look so cool. Because at that point, yeah. I had just gotten, you know, I, I had just gotten saved. I was a baby, baby, baby Christian. Right. And I was, I was nobody. I had nothing. I was trying to figure out what my life was going to be, right? And, um, no, this is actually before my son. So I was, I was nobody and even younger and dumber because at least by the time I got saved, I got saved when I was pregnant. Yeah. So I wasn't, I would have considered myself saved. I wasn't. Yeah. But I would have said I was a Christian and mm-hmm. a believer, but I really wasn't saved. And then, you know, I went through a season where I was saved but not surrendered. That's yeah. a whole other conversation. Because yeah, yeah. there are a lot of you who are listening but, <laughs> who are saved and not surrendered. And it only gets good when you surrender. Yeah, so, yes. hello. But uh, I remember looking at them uh. and the cigarettes they were smoking. And they were so cool. And they were actresses. And they had this life that I wanted. Yeah. And so I started smoking cigarettes for yeah. a few years. Now, I hated smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Hated the taste. Hated the smell. Hated everything. But the whole persona. The right. whole vibe. But it, look. Th- that's what it's seductive. But that's what you saw. That's what you saw. I got seduced yeah. by something they were doing that was toxic yeah. to their body. And that's why social media, to me, that's why it gets away with what it gets away with. Mm. We, I mean, HBO did a show this year. This has never happened to me. With, called Euphoria. Um, with that cute little girl who was a big Disney star. Um, I can't think of her. Zendaya. Mm-hmm. I got five minutes into the show. And I literally had to turn it off. The conviction and the shock was so heavy. It was kitty porn, period. I'm like, I am watching, thir- I'm watching a show and these 13-year-olds are, what they were doing yeah. and what they were, sh- I literally had to, like, you talk about make a covenant with your eyes. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I may not be the best at making a covenant with my eyes, but I know one thing, I don't want this on in my home. That was all over the news. Yeah. 
I remember actually reading. I never saw it, thank God. But yes, I remember reading about it, it in the news. It was it was children porn. It's straight kitty porn or kitty porn. Yeah, yeah. yeah I pe- mean, pe- which is pedophile uh, pedophilia. Pedophilia. Yeah, which I think anyway is the ultimate the ultimate goal of, of, of course. Of, it's of conditioning, yeah. learning how to sin. Exactly. You know, there was this article that came up in uh, Teen uh, Teen Vogue not too long ago, or probably a couple of years ago, and it was a, a article on uh, teaching. Uh, 11 to 19 year olds about anal sex. You can look it up. It's a, it's, it's Vogue put it out. Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue is what? 11 year old, 10 year olds to like 18 year olds. And it tells in detail how it's pushing the whole anal sex agenda to our kids. Even like my liberal friends. And there were like, you could even look at the blogs. Even the liberals were going, you know, or, or, or no, not Christians were going, this is crazy. How could this possibly be pushing this to our young kids? They don't need to be learning about this stuff. Right. It was like, it was crazy. Just like, and then after that show came out that you're talking about on HBO, and then people were going crazy about that. We're going to be going to break. Listen, I have uh, Cynthia Gary in studio. I choose victory. Um, it's her new book. You got to check it out. We're going to be back right after the break. Check out the whosoever's.com. Cynthia's testimony is actually on our app and on our website, and it is crazy. Check it out. It's radical. We'll be back with you guys right after the break in two minutes. Peace. With Ryan Race coming up. Everything all right? Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say... Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. All right, we are back. This show is epic as it always is when I have uh, Cynthia Garrett in studio. I do want to plug your book. You have a new book coming out, I Choose Victory, Moving from Victim to Victor. Yes. So just right before the break, well, first of all, where can people find this? Uh, you can find the book everywhere, uh, BAM, Barnes & Nobles, um, Amazon. Amazon's always the easiest. I like immediate gratification. And if you just go to ichoosevictory.com, mm-hmm. everything about this victory movement, the book is there. You can link through and buy the book. And you can also find out about Girl Club mm-hmm. and, and different I Choose Victory teaching sessions that I'm doing, webinars. Um, Girl Club is a weekly Bible study. There's just new the TV program on TBN and also the new one coming to Life Network for women, mm-hmm. Paula White's network. Yeah. So it, all the information is there, ichoosevictory.com, and it's a part of the bigger CynthiaGarrett.org ministry. you got a lot of stuff going on, and you know, some of you guys that might have just tuned in uh, right after the break, she has a lot of stuff going on. She, uh, she's been working in Hollywood and in a celebrity world for uh, many years. So she has uh, – I love having you in studio because mm-hmm. you have reached like me where you're in all these different areas. God uses you for the Great Commission. You're not like necessarily part of a staff of a, a, a church. You are actually out in culture. Yeah. And it's unique even to have someone like you on on these networks that we're on. We're in the Calvary Chapel Network. Um, you're like myself, you're, you're living the great commission and, uh, you're not stuck in one specific area. 
God uses you in all the different movements all around with non-Christians and Christians. And it's just so awesome because like you and I, we're, we're Bible-believing people. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we move in the power of the Holy Spirit in these unique areas when not necessarily you're in front of a, um, a group of people in a church where you're like, you know, teaching a bunch of women or whatever it is. You're side stage at like maybe a, a TV show or you're backstage at a, a concert or, you know, you might be in a church. You might, you, you could yeah. surface in all these different areas. I love it. And that's what I love. And me personally, I'm just waiting for a day for God to open up a door where I could get a building where I could train and teach people on the Great Commission yeah. to actually be in the world but not of the world because for some reason we get stuck in – you know, in in the in the church bubble or the institution of the church, it's so easy to get comfortable right. and just become part of it and just go to church, get fed, and go. You know, this is what God's called us to do: is to live in this church. But that is not what He's called us to do. No. The Great Commission is to go preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach. This is the church. Teach my um, teach my disciples uh, to obey my commandments. Yeah. And what happens from there is when you obey the commandments, the Great Commission is to go to the world, make disciples, make disciples teach them to obey my commandments, and then it repeats, repeats. So I want one day to have a building where I could teach people the Great Commission, disciple them, but then send them out. Because what we were talking about right before the break is we were talking about how that show that was on HBO. Euphoria. And it was – it's, ba- it's, like it's, it's basically 13-year-olds sleeping around, having yeah. sex. It's pedophilia. Yeah. And that's pushed to the media in which the media was going crazy over. People were not having it. Then – Years before that, Teen Vogue came out with an article that it's online and it's teaching our 11 to 18-year-olds about anal sex, which in detail is the most disgusting article I've ever read in my life. And the liberals were even going crazy saying, okay, this is like you've gone too far. You've gone too far. You've gone too far. So with that said, that's why the Great Commission is so important for us because – this is why I believe the Great Commission is so important. Not, not only that Jesus gave us the commandment to go, but if you can reach people in culture, which this is what I love about you, then you're changing culture. Yeah, that's why. I mean, Ryan, thank you. But that's why we, the church without walls is the most important part of spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus didn't look at his disciples and say, go out into that building over there on the on the on the third corner around the block and then get everybody in there and tell and just keep and them tell them about I don't the see gospel that. I don't no, see that anywhere. he sent them out into the world yeah. and you know I really my husband and I have been offered you know a, a few times will you come and will you pastor this yeah, church will right. you Start become a, a part of this mm-hmm. movement will yeah. you plant a church there blah 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 and but but I feel very uh called to just to itinerant ministry. I feel called to teaching. Uh, you know, I'll get asked to come and speak at these large conferences, mm-hmm. at these yeah. large ministries and small ministries. And I love to go and support the work of the local church. Heck yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love to go and pray and go, okay, God, what message do you have mm-hmm. for these people in this church? Mm-hmm. Because this church looks different than that church. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that church over there looks very different. And that is where, like, when you... When, when you, you rec- travel around the world, it's so... Christianity is so different it's in different totally. places. Totally. I'll yeah. go from Australia to New Zealand Africa, to South Africa, yeah. Nigeria. Like, it's all so different. Yeah. Right? Even, you know, I go to Texas 
lot down at yeah. uh, Rick, Rick Godwin's church. That's mm. really different than Miles McPherson's church yeah. here in San Diego, yeah. you know, but it, which is different than Holland Davis's church, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, but, yep. um, and past, I, you know, I consider myself sitting kind of under Pastor yeah. Holland now, yeah. you know, yeah. but you know, I got to tell you, like, I just think that the the church without walls concept, which mm. is what God really obviously has called us to for yep. this season of our lives, is mm. it's important because you're right. I I realize the reason why I can go to so many different churches. I get invited to like crazy different churches, All like from Southern yeah. Baptist to yeah. Calvary. Like yeah. it's so different. Totally. But I love that because it, to mm. me, it makes me feel like it looks like my real life has always looked mm. like I've always been the kid mm. that had skate, you know, skateboarder friends yeah. and surfer friends. Yeah. And then I had the drama geeks and yeah. the actor friends. And yeah. then I had the artists and mm-hmm. the musician friends and my friend. And then I had the business people, the mm. financial people. And yep. my world has always looked really different and eclectic and diverse. And that's because the body of Christ and God's is really you eclectic. A gift. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and God has given you a gift to be able to minister to all these uh, different people, which is a unique thing. And even back what you were saying to the to the Great Commission, you know, when you read the scriptures of Jesus, it says that he was in the temple, mm-hmm. which you're doing, and me, we show up in the church temple for the conferences right. or the you know the pastors' conferences or or whatever it be or Sunday morning. Then from there, then he went from town to town or village from mm-hmm. village. He was doing the street ministry. Yeah. He was in the temples. He was you know he was all doing house ministry when he raised the guy from yeah. you know the 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 paraplegic you know pick up your mat and walk. Yep. He he did it all. But obviously, you know, the church is an important place because that's where we teach them the great, or to um, obey the commandments. Exactly. But then from there, I love in Acts 6 when it says that the, the, um, the teachers wanted, the pastors want to stay to teaching the word of God, prayer and, and, and worship. But then they laid their hands on, you know, Stephen and Philip, which were the evangelists yeah. and the other guys that were full of faith and power of the Holy Spirit. And they sent them out. Yeah. So it's important to have the balance. And totally. it's very easy to get stuck in a rut and just get really focused on, on the church, but there is no church without evangelism. Right. So you have to, and and that's the thing that I'm always trying to push is like, it's not all about evangelism. It's about the evangelism and the church, because without the evangelism, the, 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 um, the people that are going out, the church doesn't grow. It doesn't grow. Right. And the, the sad thing is, is people aren't coming to church. Maybe after this whole pandemic thing, hopefully the churches will get flooded. Right. But I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you because, you know, we human beings tend to be very out of sight, out of mind. Oof, made it through that one. Okay, back to normal. Very easy. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and I mean, believers are that way. So how much more are unbelievers that way, right? Yeah. But I do think the church is really... Like, I love seeing these churches that you wouldn't necessarily see online, on Facebook Live or on Instagram yeah. Live. I love seeing their response to this whole COVID-19 mm-hmm. pandemic because, you know, this is a time where the church could really sit down, be a victim and lick its wounds and go, oh, wow, we can't have anybody in the building and maybe tithing is down because of that or whatever. No, what I've actually noticed around the world is the church rising up going, hey, teach me how to get online. Hey, okay, we got to get our giving changed. We got to do this differently. Yes, this I've is not that. a bad thing yeah. to force churches into this new millennial it age. It almost sharpened them. Absolutely. It, it did. Absolutely. It got people that were behind. Yeah. Like the urgency. Yeah. Like yeah. it's almost like, oh my gosh, 
from one day to the next, we can't do church anymore. How are we going to do church? Right. How are we going to reach people in a, in a crisis? Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you something. So I had this revelation. Okay, That's so All right. So, you know, like when you read Revelation and a lot of my friends and I, we talk about this, like we sort of believe that in the end times, mm. right, church would really come out of this big mega church model mm. and be more about the home, mm. you know, in the home group. and You meeting, could go to home churches, yeah. Yeah, and gathering together. Because what? Persecution. Exactly. Right. Trip this. What if, because we, look, we always try to fit our conceptual understanding of God in our minds. And I just happen to, I, I, I'm so, I mean, humble and can't get really confident that I could ever say, God is, and you need to listen to me. No, yeah. I'm like, God is as it's revealed to me right now. And I'm going to remain open yeah. to the good teaching and to, you know, rebuke and correction because I want to keep growing, right? Yeah. Work in progress. Till the day we die. Totally. Okay, but listen to this. So this is an interesting one. What if that whole meeting in homes and stuff, mm-hmm. what if we're actually beginning to see that, but it's not like we thought where we'd be literally meeting in our home, but think about what's happening. I've been doing a lot of, like I'm doing a conference in New Zealand. It's mm-hmm. a massive conference mm-hmm. with a lot of big name speakers, right? Yeah. We're doing it all on webinar. Right. Like, right? So in June, we'll film it and then it'll air live. Mm-hmm. And so that's all different. So as I'm doing all these different webinars and appearances, I realize something in the middle of Girl Club, which is a Friday Bible study right. that um, we've been doing now. And um, and you guys go to CynthiaGarrett.org. I, you can yeah. find out all about yes. this or iChooseVictory.com because I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here. But trip this. In the middle of one of these teachings, all of a sudden it hit me because I'm getting, I was getting questions. Hi, Cynthia. It's Jessica from England. Hi, Cynthia. It's Jackie from New Zealand. Hi, Cynthia. I'm writing to you from South Africa. Mm. All of a sudden, God said, or Holy Spirit said, look, you're meeting together in homes all around the world. Right. And this medium has connected us all together. That's the beautiful thing about this internet and online and what we can do. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Our We need to actually start looking for God instead of thinking we've figured God out Mm -hmm. and tell people what God looks like from my tiny pea brain. Mm -hmm. Because God, only God could have the meeting together in your homes in small groups encompass the entire planet because that's what's happening. I'm literally doing a Bible study and I'm realizing my voice is speaking and my teaching is speaking into the lives of women who are in Ireland, they're in England, yeah. they're in Africa. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an insanely mm-hmm. powerful thing, Ryan, to think yeah. that, I mean, what we're recording here today right. can go all over the world yep. in, the, in the push of a button. Yep. It's powerful. true. And now people are looking. Yeah. People are now even looking online because they can't go to their church. So they're like, okay, well, what's going on out there? And we're you know, taking the internet as part of the Great Commission. It, yes. Instead Dude, of letting so it take us, yeah. which is what we were talking about, which is what Hollywood does. Mm-hmm. The enemy wants to take us and shape us into his image as projected through TV, movie, magazines, euphoria, shows like that, Sex in the City. Hey, read this magazine, teach you all about anal sex, 10-year-old. Yeah. That's what the enemy wants to do. Yep. But we've got the power as believers to take it, to take it, mm-hmm. take it. We, we bring it into authority under Christ mm-hmm. and make it captive. Mm-hmm. So that's what I believe. That's for. funny that you, you actually quoted that verse. I have it right here in front of me. Amen. Because at the very beginning of the show, you were talking about how the enemy wants to get those strongholds and those footholds in your life because of, you know, what you were talking about, how you got raped and 
you know, you were carrying all this stuff from your sinful life that was destroying you uh, physically, outwardly, and spiritually, that your spiritual your spirit was getting destroyed. So you were acting out on what happened to you. And because of these thoughts, you were talking about these thoughts that your mom or people in your life were saying about you, you're fat, you're ugly, you're no good, whatever it was. We have to take all those thoughts captive and destroy them because that is the work of the enemy, Satan. He, If he could get your mind, I've used this illustration before. Like you could be a, let's just say a Spartan, for instance. You know the Spartan, the 300. They were the gnarliest. Yeah. 300, they would take on armies, yeah. right? Yeah. You could be that gnarly skilled but if the enemy yep. will get one of those guys mind it doesn't matter how trained he is how strong he is what a warrior yep. dude you're you're crippled by fear and just by the thoughts that are going on through your mind you are a victim in your own mind and i talk about it all through my book the victim's narrative the victim mentality poverty of the mind mental disease it's because no matter like some of you listening right now i i promise you n- girls you're beautiful, but nobody will be able to tell you you're beautiful enough. No guy will be able to satisfy that. No other girl will be able to satisfy that until you understand your beauty in the eyes of God. Right. I mean, it's it's an identity thing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes I'll hear parents, well-meaning parents, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say things like, oh my God, boy, you're just not smart over a child, Right. They don't know that they may be creating a brokenness, a victimization in that child that follows him or her their whole life where they're constantly fighting this victim's narrative that says to them, you're not smart. They might be the CEO of a company and and making tons of money, but that little boy or girl is still walking around with that victim's narrative. And, And only you can choose victory over that. I can't choose it for you. Ryan, you can't choose victory for me over the stuff that's happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, one of the things I've been saying a lot because I really realized it, Ryan, in in every day, Mm -hmm. I have to wake up and choose victory. Mm -hmm. And I have a sensitivity when I say it to people because, you know, someone could look at me and go, well, look at you. You've got it easy. You've been mm. on TV. Mm. You know, you're attractive. You're mm. this. You know, mm. you're 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 a black girl, but you're mixed. So, you know, I've had mm. black people get, you know, well, you're not black enough. And then white people, well, you're not white enough. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, all yeah. these things, right, yeah. that you could choose to be a victim of. Yep. However, mm-hmm. I realized something. Most people don't choose to be victims. Yeah. They don't. The little kid in Africa who's starving, he didn't choose to be there. Yeah. He's not choosing to be a victim. Yeah. The woman who's sexually abused or physically abused by her husband in a bad marriage right now, she's not choosing she to be a victim. That, yeah. Not really, even yeah. though you may say, choose victory, get out of the home. No, there's other stuff going on, right? Yeah. Most people do not choose to be victims. It's just that they don't know how to choose victory. And so for me, this book is really about the how you got to know how to choose victory. How do I choose faith over this fear? How do I choose a victor's mentality that tells me I am good enough? I am smart enough. I am everything enough because I'm made in the image of Christ. And God's identity is my identity and the promises in the word of God that you need to know to speak over your mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. to combat those victims' mm-hmm. narrative. Like, those are for me. You know, it's easy for someone to say, Choose victory, kid, and read this scripture. Or you know how when you're going through something mm-hmm. and sometimes people get a little too churchy and they'll, well, I'll pray for you. No, don't just pray for me. Tell me what to do. Yeah. You know what's so <laughs> funny? Me. Hey, you know what's so funny? <laughs> that That's the, me and my wife have had that conversation is you can get so churchy yeah. and they'll say something and you just pop off a verse. And you're like, no, 
Like I know that like even if you're like you read the Bible and you know that you're, you're I know that scripture. Right. But like tell me I need life application. Hello. I need some life application. I know the verse. Okay. All things work together for good for those who love Christ according to the purpose. Okay. I understand that. Show me. I know that verse. What does that look like? Can you give some life application? And that, that's a, you know what? That's actually a major disconnect. You could go to, to churches and they could teach the word, the word, the word, the word, but there's not enough life application. I was just talking to my dad about this the other day as I was saying how, uh, I like listening to this guy. His name's, um, Tony Evans. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the brother from Texas, yeah. right? Yeah, I love him. Dude, he does the raddest life application. Awesome. Like, you know, because on his app, he has these little 20 minute, um, the little 20 minute nuggets or something. So they're uh-huh. good. You can get them in when you're getting ready or like when you're driving somewhere it. real fast. Yeah. You can put it in, and it's not the full Bible study. Um, I haven't gotten to the full Bible studies yet, but just going through the app. He, he breaks down the scripture, you know, in Genesis to Revelation or wherever it's at, but he gives these awesome life applications and you need that. Yeah. And it literally, I mean, it just changed. And Chuck Smith is good at that too. I go through his stuff. Oh, but his when, Bible studies are incredible. Yeah, I go through his Bible studies, <laughs> but, but, but the, the life application that Tony gives, cause he's like, you know, he's like teaching right now in 2020, right? Exactly. So it's, I'm just like, wow, that, and his perspective is hilarious and he's hilarious too. It's, I, I, no, it's why my, my, I call my show, the sessions, my, my sort of main show, I guess my main yeah. ministry show on TBN. I, I call it a walk show, not yeah. just another talk show yeah. because I've hosted, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I've hosted so many talk shows. I had my own late night show on NBC that came on after Leno and Conan. I used to sit in with Regis before they hired Kelly. Like I've just done so yeah. much in the, in the network world of TV. But I really believed that the world did not need another talk show. It needed a walk show. Show show, me how to walk out my life with faith. What does lifestyle Christianity look like? When I get up and I got to go to the grocery store and someone cuts me off on the freeway and then, you know, my mom's going through something or what does it look like? How do these scriptures apply? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, so it's kind of to the point of what we're talking about, right? You can be so heavenly minded that you ain't no earthly good. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we need to be earthly good. Mm -hmm. We need to take our heavenly wisdom and be able to apply it and explain it to people Mm -hmm. because I want to help people walk out their lives with faith, not Mm -hmm. just tell them what faith is. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do me any good. Well, the people even that you're talking to, it's just saying like the non-Christian or whatever, if you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, the Bible says you can give them the verse, that doesn't mean anything to them. So break it down practical. That's why I like the book of James. Uh, James, talking about practical, yeah. he breaks it down. Yeah. He's like, you know, the, basically he's like, the, the Bible is like a, 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 the word of God is like a mirror. You look at it, you see your life, and then you got to decide, you know, that shows you who you really are. And now you're going to look at it and realize, I got some issues in my life. I don't look that good in the mirror. Right. Now you're just going to go, okay, well, and just walk away change your, and not change your life. Or you're going to go, man, I don't look that good in the mirror. I should probably fix my hair. Yeah. I should probably wipe this chocolate off my face from right. this, this ice cream I was eating. Yeah. And that's what I love about James. It's just this practical, practical yeah. book. And that's why we as believers have to be able to break down the scriptures to people and just give them. The what'd you say? What's your show called? The walk. Uh, uh, it's a walk show. It's a not walk just show. another. You got, talk you show. got to show them yeah. practically. Give them the scripture, but also it break out. it down. How Don't do just, I walk it out? How do you walk it right. out? Hey, I'm miserable right now. How do I not feel miserable? Yeah, I mean that's honestly how my life went to the place of complete surrender and inner healing and confronting my brokenness and diving deeper into the Word than I ever had in my mm-hmm. life to understand biblically how I was healed. And yeah. that inner healing, as you speak, it's that spiritual. It's the spiritual healing because a lot of people don't understand like, wait, wait, inner healing. What does that mean? Inner healing is it's your spirit because if your spirit is bad, 
your mind is bad, your body is bad because you react because your spirit is is broken. That's, that's who you are. Yeah, it's your your spirit, right? Yeah. So if that's not operating right, then everything comes from that. Your mind, your your conscious, your yeah. your body, appetites, all that is affected. Yeah. So it all goes down to spiritual getting healed spiritually, and that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Completely. Okay, we have three minutes left. So. Okay. Wrap this up as in like last words to the listener. What should they do? What, they, what should they do from here to change their life? From here, you got to make a choice, mm. you know, and only you can make a choice to have a victorious life. And when you don't have a life that looks victorious and you're looking at it and you're operating in what you see, you, a lot of you may very well feel like a victim, you know, but, but there's a couple of things here. First of all, feelings are not facts. You know, when we walk in faith, we don't walk by feelings. You know, this is the one place where Ben Shapiro, as harsh as he is, he does get it right. Your facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. It's true. Right. So you got to take all of that bring and bring it to the cross because that is the place where you will find the truth for your life. And it may not look like your life today, but I promise you it is your life as promised by uh-huh. God. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody to spend 10 cents extra out of their lives right now. Mm-hmm. The only reason that I could sit here, Ryan, and say really and truly buy this book is because I really, really believe that God gave me the how-to in choosing victory. And people how need to choose that. Victory. Yeah. People and it's, need the how-to. And it's my battle cry. I choose victory. Mm-hmm. This is how I moved from being a victim to being a victor. And I know it works because I'm telling you, you guys, my life looks like, I mean, I'm a part of every victims group that exists in this country. I, I was literally <laughs> just going to say, look, you might be thinking to yourself right now, Look, she's she's like in the celebrity world. She does all, you know, she has all these platforms. She does not relate to me. Well, her life wasn't always like that. Nope. If you go back to the to the radio show on the whosoever's app or the whosoever's.com and you watch her show, you will see that her show or her life yeah. start off so messed up. Yeah. So she can relate to the brokenness, the abuse and the divorce, single mother all that stuff, she can relate big time. And what you see in her life is that God intervened. She went to the cross. He transformed her life. And then her life, I like what you just said, when you go to the cross, your life doesn't look like that. Maybe it doesn't look like that today. It didn't. But now what you're got, now you're living God's, the life that God created you for. And he lifted you up. He restored with the canker worm destroyed. And now he's using you for his glory. And he can do that with anyone. It's never too late. He gives us beauty for ashes, man. There it is. You know, it's like all we got to do is be willing to let the old mess burn up, you know, and, and, and he will grow the rose garden. And, and it's true. And I've seen it in my own life. And it's why I choose victory. You know, for me, it's very, very personal. You know? Okay. Well, we're going to, at the end of the show, tell people where they could find this book. Okay. <laughs> Again, go ahead. All right. You can buy, you can go, look, you can go to ichoosevictory.com. Go there, check out everything we have to offer as part of the book and the movement. But um, I choose victory. And, and is Cynthia Garrett. CynthiaGarrett.org. That's the main ministry. You'll get there either way. CynthiaGarrett.org. I choose victory.com. Books available there um, on Amazon, bookstores, all of the above. Okay. And don't forget the whosoevers.com to find all the past shows and the app. We love you guys, and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace.
has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.